Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. thoughts Tristan are you gonna play the wizard game um it's from the looks of it it was a game that I wouldn't have bought anyway because it did not look like a good game Uh Uh, and I don't play that many video games in the first place and the ones I do play have like entire wikis about them because I play weird games that people who like spreadsheets play they gotta be good but um but I I was kind of taken aback by when a group of marginalized people who would be actively harmed by the popularity of this game politely asked people to not play said game that they said please don't yeah play it when they came for video games people had an absolute fit and I'm blown away by the the reaction like to me, I'm like, okay, it's like one video game. Don't play that one. Yeah. And it doesn't even look that good Don't anyway. Don't play that one. But everyone was like, no, it is my it is like a human rights violation for me not to be able to play <laughs> this video game. <laughs> I need to play this game. It is actually illegal for you to stop me from playing this game, actually. The worst, the, the, the wildest thing about it too is that you could have just, like nobody would have known if you had just bought the game and just didn't tell anybody about it. If you just played yeah. it in the privacy of your own home, but they need like the moral permission to play yeah. the wizard game. They just don't want to be bullied. That's the thing. I've I've seen a lot of people say like, well, the main reason people aren't playing this are, are like saying they don't want to play this game is is because they they fear being bullied if they if they play it and buy it. To which I would say, number one, you know, you could just do the thing that you said, Tristan, where it's like, if you really, really have to play it, you don't have to. You don't have to say anything. You won't, you won't get bullied if people don't know. But, but you also, have to, you have to be able to play it and tell everybody that you are playing it. Yeah, it feels like a requirement of this game at this point <laughs> that like if you bought it and played it and are playing it you have to like it's in the terms and in conditions of the yeah, game when you log in for the they first will time tweet on your behalf yeah. yeah when you log in for the first time it opens up twitter and you have to follow jk rowling and like a turf tweet before you can like log in yeah 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 I think we've talked about this before. I Harry Potter was not a part of my life at all growing up. It was a big part of my life for a couple of years for reasons, but not by choice, you know? And uh, so even if this game was good, there are so many other good games that I have yet to play yeah. that are just sitting, that I've already purchased, that are just sitting on my Switch that I'm just like, I'll get to these eventually. And now I can, maybe. I mean, I probably won't. I don't play video games very often mm-hmm. in general. Um, I got a video game for Christmas and I don't know when I'm going to play that game. So Fun. we'll see. I, Is that cat game stray? See, 
thing is that Harry Potter was a huge part of my childhood because I was the exact age that it was designed for. Like, I think yeah. they came out like almost when I was like the exact age for every single book or whatever. But um, either way, I also grew up and realized that, you know, not everything from childhood. There's I I, I don't want to like go super deep and like get like all soapboxy about it. But like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're like, what's it called? Millennials? Like, I mean, it's probably everybody, but like we do need to at some point realize that even though objectively because of all the financial crisis and everything like that, our adult life is actively worse than our childhood was. But we do need to Mm -hmm. get over our obsession with nostalgia and maybe embrace new things or things that are different because we seem weirdly obsessed with things from our childhood. And maybe we should not do that because it's letting us do stuff like support a a bigoted author um, because we we feel like it is our, our human right to play a video game. Yeah. Um, I, for in for full disclosure, I am wearing a Crypto the Super Dog shirt today that looks very much like the cartoon that came out when I was younger. So I'm taking this attack on uh, nostalgia pretty personally right now, Tristan, just FYI. This is why The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie because it's a Star Wars movie that is actively about why nostalgia is bad. <laughs> Look at it with your adult mind. Things weren't as good as as you always thought they were. No, I don't. Don't play the wizard game, yeah. everyone. Don't play the wizard game. Um, why are we even talking about the wizard? Because it's the thing to talk about right now. Um, but uh, it's the thing to talk about. And or the Phoenix, Phoenix lights. It's probably not aliens. There's a Phoenix. See, we could have talked about X Men, but instead we decided to talk about transphobic wizards. Um, and here we are. Don't play the wizard game. And also, how do how do phoenixes tie in with aliens? That's a question that we're going to answer on this podcast. Hi, everyone. This is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens, where we every week we look into ancient astronaut theory and UFO conspiracies, and we debunk them or really just look into them. People people have been accusing us of, of wanting, of having a bias of debunking stuff. We're looking into stuff. We're looking into it. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we're going to learn a lot about some fun history of real life, people, places, things, events. My name is Scott Nicewander. I'm one of the hosts, specifically the one that doesn't know anything. I know nothing uh, except of my very strong opinions that you shouldn't play the wizard game. That's just me, though. My name is Tristan Johnson. And also, I believe that you should probably not play the wizard game. Um but I'm the person who does the the, the Googling um, in preamble to our shows where we talk about ancient astronaut, ancient aliens, uh, UFOs and all that kind of stuff. We're kind of on a UFO streak this past few episodes where we're kind yeah. of talking about more contemporary UFO stuff, mostly because uh, I think we are, as we are sort of roughly going through the show Ancient Aliens, which is sort of the main thrust of the show right now, uh, we are going through an episode that doubled down on UFOs and close encounters and that kind of thing. So we're sort of in that vein, but I think we are yeah, at if, the end of if it. In ancient, this yeah, if Ancient Aliens, if the show Ancient Aliens can talk about modern alien sightings, then so can we. I mean, our podcast is... Basically, it's just called It's Probably Not Aliens. We can talk about aliens in any capacity. We can talk about things that aren't aliens. We can talk about whatever we want. We can talk about, yeah, as, we, as we've established in the first 10 minutes of basically every episode we've done. <laughs> but uh, this time we are going into history because in about four years, the event that we're talking about today will be 30 years old. Oh. Because uh, we're going back in time far, far away to the year 1997. Ooh. 
1997 was the year that a young James Cameron had a hit movie called Titanic. Titan 1C. Titan 1C. And now, look how things have changed. He has another hit movie about water. I stole that Out joke. Out right now. I stole that joke. I just want everyone to know. That was a reference to um, Cug, Cug on Earth. Or... It's a good show. Anyways, I just I stole a joke and I felt bad about not citing it. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I forgive you. But yeah, we're, we're going to talk about uh, a different James Cameron project in the late 90s, which was a UFO sighting. So Scott... Um, yeah. We talked a lot about UFOs and uh, different sorts of cases, but one of the ones that we haven't talked about is sort of the holy grail. The the every time people talk about and try to make the claim that like you know um, UFOs are definitely spaceships and they're definitely real, uh, the yeah. number one case that comes up is what we're going to talk about today, which is basically the most widely cited UFO sighting possibly in history. This is an event that thousands of people saw. There are pictures there are videos it is one of the most documented ufo events ever okay it's weird that i've not heard of this then Mm -hmm. and what this is is that in 1997 over the states of arizona and nevada or nevada nevada i think that's how you say it uh yeah were a bunch of sightings of very strange flying objects um specifically over the cities of phoenix and um and tucson or sorry wait then how come these aren't called the tucson lights because I think Phoenix is the bigger city. I think it had the bigger event. All right. So uh, here's the basic idea is that thousands of people between the times of 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. in a sort of 480 kilometer or 300 mile stretch uh, from the the sort of through Phoenix and to the border with Nevada, there was mm. this image of uh, of lights. Specifically- I'm Looking at it. Yeah. Specifically, they saw what's a, a V-shaped object traveling southeast at 8.15. Yes. Uh, Uh, It's like if the Mighty Ducks did the famous flying V, but they were actually flying and they also were balls of light. Exactly. That's what it looks like. That's what I I mean. I Googled images of it. Yeah. Very eerie. But the the problem is that the Mighty Ducks were all the way in Anaheim, so they wouldn't have been able to make it in time. Uh, I don't think that's that's not true of the movie, though. I don't think maybe it is. Who knows? We'll never know. Continue. Um, yeah, both of us deep, deep experts on in the NHL mm-hmm. and movies, as we know. Uh, I d- yeah. But uh, at 8.15, a unidentified former police officer in Paulden, Arizona, reported seeing a cl- uh, at the same or as, uh, around the same time, a cluster of reddish orange lights disappear over the horizon. So this all happens in one evening. They people have seen uh, they saw the lights. They were uh, in the sky, flying over Phoenix. Thousands of people reported seeing it. Um, And what they appeared is like this arc shape of five different lights and then moved in sort of a pattern. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures. I don't know if these are real pictures. They must be. But yeah, it looks like balls of light in the sky. Um, Some of them are colored red. Like some pictures are colored red. Some pictures are colored blue. Some are just black and white. Um, super eerie, like you can see over, it's all at night, sort of at at dusk and you know, the town below is lit up and you just see these like balls of light in the sky, uh, hovering above the city. I mean, were they hovering? They were flying, right? They were moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, there are witnesses that show a pattern of it moving across the, uh, this line. Okay. Yeah. This looks spooky. Yeah. I'm scared. And then later that evening at 10 PM, there was also a scene of a row of lights hovering in the sky, slowly falling. So that's, that's the, that's the, the Phoenix 
lights. Um, See, if this were to happen today, people would just be like, oh, we get people got drones out. You know how unlike for big sporting events, they have like drones in the sky that do cool lights and and make images. Yeah, it's really cool because um, actually that's developing. First of all, it can look really cool because you can make like 3D shapes in a really cool way. Yeah. But also it's a way to do fireworks that don't, um, you know, harm wildlife and trigger people's PTSD. So apparently it's a it's a cool. Oh, that's awesome. Thing to fill in for that. I love that. But yeah, if this if this happened today, people would just be like oh, a couple teenagers flying some drones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was uh, a story actually uh, just in Hawaii um, where mm-hmm. uh, people thought people saw some like green lasers being shot into the sky and they thought it was the military, but uh, probably is just some some per- some people. influencers. Yeah, <laughs> just some influencers trying to get that shot. Uh, but yeah, no, this happened in the, in James Cameron's 1997. So the year that he, I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think this would have been, uh, teenagers with drones. No, uh, drones had not been invented yet. Uh, we didn't have the technology or Mm. did we, or did we let's continue? Uh, so to just kind of give you guys an idea because the 1990s were now the 1990s were as far back as, uh, in the nineties, we, we would think the sixties were so, uh, So if if today were the 90s, then the 90s would be the 60s. Uh, So it's been a while back. It's enough to be like, you know, that not everybody in our audience remembers them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were young enough. You probably barely remember them. Yeah, I remember the late 90s. Yeah, for sure. Boy Meets World on TV. Zoog Disney. Or was that the early 2000s? I mean, I, I was remember. technically born in the 80s, but I don't remember the 80s at all. Um, anyways. I, I, the Mighty Ducks film came out when I was born, 1992. That's awesome. Excellent. Well done. Um, so, But in the 90s, there was some interesting stuff going on. First of all, there was a huge interest in UFOs and extraterrestrials in the US, but also around the world because of movies like the one we talked about last week. Okay. Um, or sorry, in, our, in the next episode of this podcast, because this is episode 68. Uh, in the next That's episode, right. episode 69, that came out last week. <laughs> yep. It's um, confusing. Got to keep up. Uh, there that we talked a little bit about um, sort of big UFO things as well as shows like um, like like the X-Files. And so the, the idea of UFOs and aliens and stuff like that were definitely on people's minds. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, the 1990s was the rapid onset of interconnectivity through the Internet, through uh, and also just a period of great technological development. So communication was happening really, really fast. And I think that one of the things that we don't really appreciate is that when a new form of technology shows up, there's a period where we we, we don't fully comprehend what the impact is going to be on society. And we are sort of interacting with this platform in a naive fashion. Some weird things can happen. Yeah, I mean, I did look it up because this seems to be my main uh, job on this show. But yeah, in 1997, Stargate SG-1 was out sci-fi, you know, Mm -hmm. I've not seen it, but it sounds like very sci-fi-y. Oh, yeah. We talked about this before. Uh, South Park came out and the first episode was about aliens. Yep. Um, So there you go. It's lots of stuff. It's definitely in the air. It's in the air. Uh, Yeah. And there's also a association with UFOs in the American Southwest. Uh, Mm -hmm. Roswell, Area 51, all of those are uh, were in uh, New Mexico or Nevada. So in Arizona, very close to both of those states so, uh, yes. and, and part of the Very sort of same true. thing. Yes. Um, might coincidentally have something to do with uh, commonality in those, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I want to build 
anticipation because also it was a part of a sort of classification of ufo sightings which are called black triangles oh and at least is this that's like what, a sh- is this like a type of alien spacecraft like a black triangle basically because uh they flew in this uh this triangular formation so people uh one of the reports was that the ufo had a look almost like a carpenter's square like a and like a perfect right angle yeah and so they considered it possibly one of these black triangles which are ufos that have shown up in other places um typically they're referred to as yet being triangular but having a black color typically seen at night described as large silent hovering moving slowly and pulse with pulsing lights um to the point where there's actually a declassified uk ministry of defense report that talking like basically the uk version of the uap report talks about um something called project uh condon which has analysis of uh black triangle settings it says the government was also interested in it uh at least in the uk Mm -hmm. um but they came to the conclusion that most of these are probably buoyant plasmas or uh like basically atmospheric events that have to do with gas and electrically you know uh, St. Elmo's of course they did uh-huh St. Elmo's fire etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. interesting interesting tidbit uh once we listened to that episode or once we made that episode about St. Elmo's fire and you told me to listen to the song I listened yeah. to the song and I was like that's great and then I went and watched Into the Spider-Verse and they play St. Elmo's fire in the movie oh that's awesome <laughs> I forgot they did that yeah, so I was like, oh, I now know this. Great song, great tunes. Did that I did that thing where um where Leonardo DiCaprio whistles and points at the TV. <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're, they're a known phenomenon, and there have been multiple reports over the over the years. Um, mm-hmm. And they're uh, one of the number one thoughts is that it is actually a theoretical airplane. There's a, there's this conspiracy theory that doesn't go into huh. UFO, doesn't go into aliens, but another sort of side thing. And this shows up in a lot of our episodes that a lot of people there are UFO people who are not alien people, and their conclusion that it is uh, the government testing out a whole bunch of like hyper advanced technology that they are just not telling us about. Gosh, I'm I don't know if I'm one of those people, but if I had to pick between the two, that's probably the camp that I would sit in. Mm-hmm. Is like that feels more likely that they're just keeping that that people are just testing stuff and keeping it under wraps. Yeah. More than aliens. And well, in, that's just me. In the case of like the the Cold War era UFO sightings, a lot of those were confirmed to just be like them testing like stealth bombers and stuff like that before they were publicly. There's precedent. You know, yeah. Yeah. So one of the ones is that there's this theoretical uh plane called the uh, surveillance plane called the Northrop TR-3A or otherwise known as the Black Manta. And after I wrote that, I just wrote Aquaman question mark because I know that you're our uh, resident comic book guy. So uh, Black Manta. You know, he doesn't really fly a plane as far as I know, but it's more of a water guy, more of a water guy, more of a water. It would be it would be wild to me if Black Manta and his arch nemesis Aquaman were like one of them was the sky. One of them was the sea. And they had to. How would they fight? How would they even meet? Who the knows? Sky goes to war with the sea. <laughs> there's there that that's the name of the arc, right? Like the the sky against the sea or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they they thought that this was like a black project from the U.S. Air Force. It was supposed to be like a subsonic stealth plane that had a design that made it look like it was just one big flying wing, which is interesting because I actually have watched some stuff on um how now um in an attempt to make more energy efficient airplanes, there mm-hmm. are actual like engineers are currently working on trying to make 
planes that sort of have this this shape that look like just one big flying wing because it can be more uh, aerodynamic and oh. could have um, you could ease you could more easily design them to have a uh, to be powered by something that is not fossil fuels like an electric plane and stuff like that. You know, it's funny. <laughs> so I was looking up images of this plane uh, so I can potentially post about it on Twitter or Instagram at Prop right click save as. Yep, and I was like, wow, this actually does sort of weirdly look like the mask of Black Manta. Do you think there's any connection there? And I'm like, yeah, the an- they're they're both doing the animal, right? They're both. Uh. That's what. There's no connection between the plane and the comic. It's just they're both trying to. They're both named and look. They look like the animal. There you go. There's That's the connection. It. That's the connection. It's far less interesting than I thought it was. I was like, whoa, this actually does look like, oh, yeah, I know why. That makes sense. But uh, but as I was kind of saying, there is this idea that they are, tr- that people are trying to develop new airplanes that have, that are just called flying wings where they don't have fuselage in the same way. Problem is that they're very hard to control. Um, their stability ah. is pretty tough. Um, but if they can figure it out, you can make like big planes that can like, like jetliner sort of level planes that don't require nearly as much energy to fly so you don't you could possibly move to like an electric sort of airplane the only problem is that people who would have uh, like a lot of the seating inside would not um, have would not have windows oh that feels like it would be a nightmare yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm in an enclosed void in the sky Yeah. And furthermore, they're having a lot of tr- the the problem with the flying wings is that they're hard to maneuver. But they're but it but once they get going, they're very efficient apparently. Uh so that's yeah. that's the thing that's 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 on that. Like it's not that crazy because that is a thing that people are interested in looking into. And if you look at something like the the B52, B2, sorry. The B2 sort of looks like what you would imagine a uh like if you were to imagine an airplane that looks like the like from the oh, bottom yeah. would look like it you would probably think it was that right yeah this is just a big this is just a big v yeah the b2 it's, it's the stealth big, bomber it's a big v with a little w in the middle but back to the discussion about the the black manta so there are some people who uh think that there's a conspiracy that like during operation desert storm the government was secretly using black mantas to uh use to basically uh direct bombs uh using mm. laser guided bombs but there's not that much evidence that they actually exist um and so even like also it being an alien thing it's more likely that it is something like that than an alien but it's still there's not a lot of evidence that something like that actually exists gotcha makes sense and uh there's also a recent sort of thought that um that some people have thought that a lot of anti-collision lights on border patrol drones might actually be some black triangles okay wait in more recent times i was gonna say because we had we had talked about this we didn't have drones we didn't have the technology for drones back in James Cameron's 1997. Yeah, drones really only took off uh, about 10 years later in sort of the war on terror stuff. But for more modern sightings of this sort of Phoenix, are they still called Phoenix lights today, even if you don't see them over Phoenix? Yeah. So in this more modern, in more modern sort of sightings, you're saying it could just be, uh, it could be drones. Yeah. It could just be drones well, of any kind. It could be border patrol drones. It could be influencers. Not we Phoenix, like, uh, the black triangles, like more recent signs of black triangles could be these sort of drones. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's the, that's a, that's a mystery. What is these, what is these events? Cause it was like, I feel like I'm understating that these were very widely spread. Like there is no, like, no, this isn't just like, the, this is just a report of some crank. This is like a thing that 
that people actually saw that did some weird stuff. What is this? Yeah, What's there going are. On? Yeah, I mean, again, there are mul- at least from what I can find on Google Images, there seem to be multiple photographs. Uh, it was on the news earlier, live a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, this might be as you were saying. Even though I don't remember this specifically, I was only a youngin of five years old. But I, this feels like it would be the most credible UFO sighting with photos and tons of witnesses and news coverage and mm-hmm. things like that. So like to the point where we know what it is to the point where it was on ancient aliens. And to this day, it still stands as a cornerstone of UFOlogy. So what it was, I'll just I'll just say this is one of those ones where, you know, many times where we're like, we don't know what it is, but there's some explanations that are most likely alien, not not, not aliens. Mm-hmm. This is one where gotcha. we like almost 100 percent know what these are. This episode is sponsored by NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens to get up to one extra year of your online security subscription for free as an exclusive gift. So here's the thing. Our podcast has started to get, you know, a little more and more listens recently. And we know that we challenge uh, a lot of conspiracies that certain groups online hold dear to the point where we've actually started getting people trying to hack into our accounts online. That's not a joke or hyperbole. Attempts have been made by some very angry folks. This happens a lot, obviously, to podcasters and YouTubers like us. We are constantly bombarded by emails that appear to be from YouTube or our bank or social media accounts, but are in fact just an attempt at stealing our passwords. It's called phishing with a PH, if you didn't know, and these phishing attempts are getting better and better every day. So it's not crazy to think that one or two might eventually sneak in and convince even a seasoned internet veteran like yourself, perhaps. But are Tristan and I scared? No, of course not, silly because we use NordVPN threat protection, which includes a specific feature to warn you about phishing links, as well as features like a blocker for malicious ads and dark web monitoring to alert you if passwords have been leaked. All of these features come with a robust VPN so you can protect your data and unblock content from streaming services that are only available in certain countries that you might not be in. NordVPN does a lot, is what I'm trying to say. So go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens and check it out. The best part is you can try it with no risk. Nord has a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can try it for yourself and decide. NordVPN is privacy-focused, they have 24-7 customer support, and they have apps for every major platform. They got it all, folks. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash probablynotaliens. Get yourself a two-year plan, and you'll get some additional months for free as an exclusive gift, up to an entire year. Link is in the show notes. Long story short, they were airplanes. Alien airplanes? Kind of. They were from an alien place to Arizona. They were from Maryland. Um, ah, a dark and frozen place. A so, dark and frozen planet. The planet of Maryland. Yeah, the northern the northern cousin of, of your mm, state of Virginia. That's me. Uh, so what they were is aircraft that were participating in something called Operation Snowbird. Now, what Operation Snowbird is, is essentially a Air Force program where during the winter uh they'll take like basically like you know air force uh squads that are based in the north take them down to a place like phoenix and do training exercises uh so that like you know they kind of go south for the winter to train right mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a pilot training program that happened at the uh davis montham air force base in tucson which is you know part, very close the thing was heading towards tucson where they might have been landing or something huh 
Interesting. They were specifically yeah. working with the uh, 133rd Airlift Wing that were training to be able to deploy and execute uh, and sustain rapid global mobility. Around. Basically, they needed to train because uh, fighter pilots need to be able to, at a moment's notice, basically go anywhere in the world and do operations very fast. Sure. And so one of the things that people saw, uh, the, the, the Flying Triangle, was a group of A-10 uh, Warthogs, which is a type of airplane. And I, sh- I included a picture for you to look at because it's a oh, kind of a neat looking I airplane. I was about to Google it, but it's literally staring me right in the face. Yeah. So it's A-10 Warthogs. And they were flying in formation um, following a traffic corridor because uh, and the lights were what are called visible visual light rules. So so we're going to get a little bit about how airplanes work. So the FAA has rules that uh, basically say where you can or can't fly. And also that like airplanes have to have um, they have to have what are called collision lights that blink. Oh my God, all this bureaucracy. The sky <laughs> belongs to everyone, Tristan. Yeah, this is to keep planes from crashing into each other, so I feel like it works. All right. But the FAA's right. regulations mean that all airplanes have to have a blinking light on it. This is why every time you see an airplane, you'll see like a blinking light on it. They're collision yeah. lights to keep you planes from cl- yeah. crashing into each other in the dark. The Air Force doesn't have to follow the same rules. And so they're collision, oh, but when they're doing so special, yeah, they, they don't have to follow these rules, but when they're doing something tricky, like a formation, um, which, you yeah. know, is, uh, anybody who's ever flown a plane, not me, but if you're doing a tight formation of airplanes, uh, it's apparently fairly tricky and, and hard and, you know, screwing up can be, uh, very bad. <laughs> so sure. they, uh, they needed to turn on some form of light so that they could prevent themselves from, uh, from crashing into each other and they did not have the blinking collision light so they flew a steady light rather than a a light and so what you saw what they saw over phoenix was these planes flying in the very specific military aircraft corridor that they have designated for this operation and them flying their steady collision lights in formation in a sort of triangular formation as part of their training exercise okay only it's just training exercises we've been here before just a training exercise, everyone. Ugh. Yeah. Even, um, I guess that makes sense. And while, like, we've seen lots of different stories of people doing, like, you know, eyewitness accounts of the event saying they saw lights. Uh, some people, like an astronomer and a former Air Force pilot who saw the Phoenix lights, was also able to see that they looked like A-10 warthogs flying in formation at high altitude. Like f- through a telescope or something? I th- I believe so, yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's something. I mean, did they ever talk about it? Did they ever like confirm this? Or was it just like a hush-hush, we don't say anything? Well, an amateur, an animer, an, uh, another ast- astronomer by the name of Mitch Stanley also through a telescope said that they saw... Uh, like what they saw was clearly individual airplanes. And yes, okay. uh, the, the the Air Force did just publicly say that's exactly what it was um, pretty soon wow. after the event, too. Um, the oh, second wow. group of lights that we talked about were lights that sort of just hovered in the air. And oftentimes when they're talking about like, obviously, like, like, yeah, you could try to write off the first set of lights that were seen, the sort of triangle formation. That was that was uh, that. Sure, could that could that be off. planes. But then, you, yeah, you talked about the ones that were falling. Yeah, the ones that hovering. Were, yeah, had a hovering and then they fell out of the sky or something like that. Yes. Fell to the ground. So yeah. what's that about? <laughs> this is very interesting. So what happened is that a different group of planes were doing a different <laughs> training exercise in the same type okay. of plane for the same program. So it 
it was part of the Snowbirds program. It was another training exercise that was happening, okay. but it was a different group doing it, uh, and it was com- they were completely unrelated to each other. So what it was was another group of warthogs were doing a exercise where they were do- where they were training with uh, flares. Now what so what they were seeing the way that it was described was a row of fl- lights hovering in the sky or slowly falling that began at 10 p.m. Now the way that these flares work is that they take long burning they're called LUU two B slash B illumination flares and they okay. drop them out of aircrafts and then what happens is that the flares uh release a uh like a parachute and the burning of the flare creates almost like a hot air balloon effect and so they drop slower so they drop very slowly yeah oh so the heat from the flare keeps them almost works like a hot air balloon for like yeah gives them some lift a little bit that's pretty clever Mm -hmm. and then when they saw them like wink out it was because they had gone over the mountain range of the sierra estrella uh mountain range that's southwest of phoenix ah and as i mentioned like as people did research on stuff like this uh one pilot uh a guy by the name of lieutenant colonel ed jones uh did it in 2007 uh, confirmed that he was one of the pilots that flew and dropped the flares on that night in question. Okay. Well, you were saying before that the military did come out and claim the other one. Did they not claim this one? They, I think they, they, to, they, they claimed to... both of them, but somebody who actually okay. flew the planes confirmed. 10 years later? <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Well, I guess somebody was probably a doing while. a 10th anniversary That's true. story Honestly, on Honestly, the fact like that, that it is 10 years later does make it feel like it is like a, hey, remember when this happened 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The squadron belonged to uh, the Davis Montham AFB and they were on a training exercise. Uh, they did some training sorties over the Goldwater Air Force uh, range on the night in question mm-hmm. uh, because as part of the Maryland ANG and uh, and the and one of the times they found that is somebody actually read a, a published history of the Maryland ANG that what came out in two thousand came out in two thousand. Uh, it is air. You know, I'm I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to look it up. So uh, okay. the Maryland Air National Guard. Gotcha. So this gotcha, was yeah. Gotcha, this, gotcha. And so yeah, they did say that the 104th Fighter Squadron was responsible for the incident. They published it in one of their in their history. Um, cool. The governor. Uh, but like the thing is that like it's known. Like it's it's fairly big. Like Fife. Simington, who was the governor of Arizona in 1997. What a name! Fife Simington. Fife Simington. Yeah, so Fife Simington uh, actually described the incident as otherworldly. His name is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And this has been confirmed not just through the military, but other sorts of uh, studies as well. Like some people studied the uh, the luminosity of the flares and compared mm-hmm. them with the LUU2B slash B and found that they were about the same and also that those illumination flares were used in A10s at the time. So it all falls well in the range of exactly what people saw in these lights. Um, and you can see that there are uh, like there are lots of still photographs that show this. And mm-hmm. you can see that um, that the reason why they they go out suddenly is because they go over the mountain because of sort of like, you know, where they were and the, their relationship to the mountain. Right. I also did just want to add to something a couple minutes ago, the idea that the person would come out 10 years later, you know, from 1997 when the event happened to 2007 when that person was like, yes, I was part of, I was one of the pilots that did that. Uh, 
to, to lend credibility to the idea that it was marking the 10 year anniversary, the actual event happened on March 13th, 1997. And then the article you said came out in March of 2007. So e- even down to the month, they yeah. were, that feels like why they probably wrote that article. They were just like, hey, remember those flares here's what they look like now don't you feel old my guess is that um the journalist was working on a 10th anniversary of the phoenix light story and uh asked the Mm -hmm. air force for comment and they gave a comment and that would be yeah that would be them they admitted it 10 years later um 10 years later when somebody asked somebody asked them like hey did you do this and they're like yeah yeah that was us yeah for sure we did that a hundred percent uh in the years later in 2007 and 2008 there were other reports of sort of different phoenix lights incidents that also had to do with military flares being dropped by fighter aircraft at luke air force base and in one case they were flares that were attached to helium balloons released by a civilian So what happened was is that on February 6, 2007, uh, some lights were reported by observers and recorded by the local Fox News affiliate. Uh-huh. And uh, the military and the FAA pointed out that these were dropped by F-16s, which are sort of the more modern planes that are called Fighting Falcons at a Luke Air Force Base training exercise. And then in 2008, there was uh-huh. uh, some lights reported over Phoenix by local residents that um, went that they, they reportedly appeared to change from a square to a triangular formation and a resident reported shortly after that the lights disappeared after that three jets were seen heading west in the direction of the lights an official from Luke Air Force Base uh, denied that the, U- the U.S. Air Force was in the area at the time. Uh, and that was the mystery until the next day, on April oh. 22nd, a resident of Phoenix oh. told a newspaper that the lights were nothing more than his neighbor releasing helium balloons with flares attached, which Why? was then confirmed by a police helicopter um, that was in the area Why? at the time. That's a good question. Um, I, love, I love this part. The following day, a Phoenix resident who declined to be identified in news reports stated that he had attached flares to helium balloons and released them from his backyard. Question to why, why doesn't get answered. <laughs> I don't know. It was 2008. I was bored. <laughs> the economy was collapsing. I just I felt like it. I just wanted to. Okay, I had balloons. I had flares. What was I? What else was I going to use them for? It's just a wild like. Does make me want to like uh, cause the London lights by just buying some road flares and tying them to a bunch of helium balloons and just letting it go. <laughs> Did anyone? But then, see, but again, now in modern day, people would be like, ah, just a bunch of influencers with drones. And you're like, nope, just an influencer with some balloons and flares. old school baby yeah so that's that that's the explanation but here's the what i think is interesting what sticks out about this is that this was very quickly confirmed and established and like there was no like i didn't have to do any digging it's very well known that this is exactly what the phoenix lights were but it still remains a staple of the ufo subculture and this is the thing i don't the thing is like we're in a position now where could the government actually say anything that would convince the people who really 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 want to believe that they're alien spaceships. Uh, that has been on my mind this whole episode is like when you're talking about because sometimes I try to put myself into the mindset of like a someone who would genuinely believe some of these um, like theories and, and things like that. And like in my head, there's no which whatever way that you do it, whether you say like, yeah, actually, the government came out the next day and said it was them like immediately alarm bells of like, yeah, of course they are because they're covering something up. And then but if, if they don't do it it's like and then the government was silent about it and they didn't say anything and 
it's like, well, what do they know that they're hiding? You know, it's just like, there's no winning. They can't, there's no, you know, you could, either way you go with this, it's going to cause some sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah, you're almost touching exactly where I define a conspiracy theory, which is that if you have reasoned yourself to a place where there is basically no form of evidence that could convince you otherwise, that mm-hmm. you're then in like a sort of um, epistemological loop. Yeah. And uh, there's no getting out of that. That's the point where your belief, your theory has turned into a full-blown conspiracy theory. And uh, at that point, there isn't a there isn't a rational explanation that's going to take you out of it right because you have reason yeah. everything will will be ta- will be put aside in favor of whatever it is you want to believe and it's it's again it's it's uh confirmation bias and motivated reasoning all over again yeah it's and obviously this stuff gets latched onto by the ancient aliens and even though again like even though i don't even know if they mentioned in the episode that that it was claimed you know that it was like oh actually the the official explanation was this like you know it's it just feels like one of those things where they are intentionally trying to spread like a half information you know where it's just like uh here is here's this event what happened i don't know but it's like well we do know though pretty much and ancient aliens does this uh, a lot yeah this is nothing new for them so just more more gross stuff yeah so we can categorize this one under the um because sometimes sometimes there are one there are ones where it's like oh yeah this was like a weird thing and we don't exactly 100 percent know what it is this is one that's like confirmed and yet yeah because and this is where i, I, was, I was i was actually kind of struggling to be like the to to come up with the so what of this, but this is one of those cases where I think it shows the uh, the main problem of the uh, like the thinking of a conspiracy theorist or like a true UFO believer in that there is no amount of evidence that would convince them otherwise, and yeah. that's not an approach to do things. I try to approach a lot of things by I mean obviously I'm human and I'm you know susceptible to all of these biases as well, but I. Uh, I try and the, the you know the optimal way to approach something is to try to approach everything thinking I don't know what this is I'm going to look at it and take where the evidence leads me but if you really want the phoenix lights to be a uh starship from another universe or from another planet or whatever uh that you're like you're going to everything's just going to fit and yeah it's a, it's 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 one of the downsides of the ways that are the sort of silly putty between our ears likes to interpret and connect information. Yeah. And I, I sort of touched on this at the start of the show too. It's like the the idea, the premise of the show, I feel like we talk about debunking uh, a lot of these theories, but you know, some sometimes we we do just and you know maybe that does paint us paint a little bias on the way that we approach things by like being like all right how do we debunk this rather than just how do we look into it and try and gather information uh and and see what's up so like admittedly as you were saying like we're not immune to any of those those biases uh but at the same time you know the show the show is literally called it's probably not aliens and that was a very deliberate choice by you to be like honestly there are some things that we that we don't know and we're not 100% sure and well that's we might not ever know yeah like when we started the podcast I was like very intrigued by the Oumuamua um Mm -hmm. I think that there's some more definitive stuff now that has pretty much shown that it was a asteroid but it was doing some very interesting things that I thought like I feel like there that if the time when when a UFO sighting actually credibly with like you know multiple forms of data and verifiably can be shown to actually 
be extraterrestrial spacecraft. There is nobody who's going to be more excited than the two of us. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, that would be one of the one of the defining moments of human history, and would be it would be fascinating. We would learn so much about life and the cosmos and everything to actually see something yeah. like that. And it's not like we don't want that to be the case. Exactly. We have no reason. We have no reason to want there to not be aliens. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, I would, it would be terrifying and amazing and genuinely like in the literal sense of the word, like awesome to, to discover that there are, that there are, you know, intelligent beings out there besides us. Yeah. It would but change everything. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these, but like, I do know that um, when it actually is aliens, if, if that, if that ever happens, we might not because of, you know, the limits of the speed of light. Like I said, I, my, my theory is that the most likely case that we'll actually see alien life will be something from like the James Webb telescope uh, yeah. or, or whatever the sequel to Kepler is. And like, they will find an exoplanet that shows definitive biosignatures. And we will know, yeah. we will have a pretty good idea that there is life on this planet that is like 300 light years away. And we'll send a message to them and we'll be like, all right, well, uh, it'll take 300 years to get there. It'll take about 300 years to get back. So, yep. um, <laughs> fun and that'll be a, that'll be stuff. about it but um but, you know i would love it if we find because like thing is if aliens ships show up too it means that like somehow the limits of of the speed of light and stuff like that are actually overcomable which would be wild and would change our concept of physics and uh this is too much to <sighs> too much to dig into but um but furthermore all i want to say is uh, a lot of that will be held back because kind of like what we saw with the uap phenomenon that too many people were afraid to report things because they didn't want to be seen as cranks and mm. uh and that and these this sort of like dishonest way of approaching ufo phenomenon is going to is always going to hurt that ancient aliens is going to make it harder when it actually is aliens in the future is what i'm saying yeah very much very much so well i think that's a good place to end it mm-hmm. uh if you want to give us your insights about the wizard game, uh, no, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> the internet has already too many takes about that. Uh, let us know your thoughts about this episode on Twitter and Instagram at probs, not aliens. Mm-hmm. I am also on Mastodon. Are you, you're on Mastodon too. We yes. I have a very weird Mastodon. I'm at, I'm, I'm Tristan PJ at dice.camp. Why don't we should set up our own server? I know it costs money, but we'll figure it out. If we get enough followers and we get a bigger community over there, I'm just at Scott Nicewander at mass.com. Two M A S dot T. Yeah, because right uh, now, as we people... as we're saying yeah. this, like Twitter's like there's like the rumor that Twitter's gonna only let you tweet like four times a day or something like that. While yeah, yeah, I was running into limitations just last night. I wanted to follow someone, and it said I reached my limit for following, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Twitter's burning down right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, where can people find more of your stuff on the internet, Tristan? Uh, I make YouTube videos about history and why. Um, uh, understanding the past is important for understanding the present and shaping where we go in the future. Um, and you can find all of that at nebula.tv slash stepback or stepbackhistory.com. Scott, if I wanted yeah. to watch a uh, video about why a Studio Ghibli movie might crush your dreams and why that's a good thing, mm. where would I need to go? Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. 
Um, it's also on Nebula, as you said. We're big supporters of Nebula. We're a part of Nebula. It's great. A lot of great content, a lot of good creators, uh, a lot of just us. And it's a good way to support this show. The show's over there. You get an episode a week early. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You can also leave reviews of this podcast on Apple Podcasts and other places where you can rate us. It really does help us out. We actually just got, I know we always say that there's no, that podcasts don't have algorithms, but apparently some podcatchers do have algorithms. And so people have been finding the show just because people have been rating it well and listening to it and all that stuff. So thank you so much for people who have been doing that uh, because we have a lot of people who have no idea that Tristan and I are even YouTubers, but they just found the show and they like it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're we're seeing a, a decent uptick in in listens lately. So very good. Stuff. Absolutely. So thank you for that. And if you want to keep that trend going, uh, and you want to tell your friends about it, share the show. The best website to do that is a very simple one: probsnotaliens.com. It's got links to everything. I'm going to add links to Nebula, uh, so you can listen on Nebula as well. Um, we also have a form. We've not done this in a while. On that website, probsnotaliens.com, we have a form where you can submit questions for us to answer. We've not done one of those in a while. Maybe we should do one of those. Maybe we should do that next since we're between episodes. We're sort of between episodes. Maybe episode 70 yeah. is Q&A. Ask us questions. In two episodes next week. Um, yeah. Because this is episode 68. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, fantastic. Well, until next time, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably. Ontario we say probably and apparently that's part of our accent. I like saying the I like saying it probably like P R O L L Y but saying it sort of just like off the cuff like ah probably. It's probably not aliens. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know.